0: Hey Talkers, welcome to Keep Talking Podcast. Keep Talking is the best platform for you to reach an advanced level of English fluency by practicing every day and also connect with a global community. In this podcast, we are sharing the audio version of the Instagram Lives and IGTV videos that we have done over the past year. Most of them are in English, although some are a mix of English and Spanish, and in a few, we speak only Spanish. I hope you enjoy, and remember to follow us on Instagram at keep talking co or check out our website Keeptalking.co to join our community and learn more about how we can help you ladies and gentlemen namas y caballeros welcome to this evening's keep talking instagram live tonight we're having another discussion that's about mental health with an expert in the field of mental health tonight we are with david romanowski david will tell you that he is un psicologo Um, His credentials are a little bit more than that. Uh, We always joke about how in the U.S. we have a lot of big fancy words for different types of psychologists, whereas... In español, ustedes solo dicen un psicólogo, ¿verdad? But David is a licensed uh, drug counselor, an alcohol counselor. He is—he has a master's degree from the University of Minnesota. Maestro en la Universidad Hebraica de la Ciudad de México. A harm reduction therapist. So he's a lot of different things, but at the end of the day, él es un psicólogo. So tonight we're going to be talking uh, with David about addictions. Addictions. David es una especialista in addictions, and we're gonna be talking about not just addictions to the typical things like alcohol, drugs, etc. etc., but especially addictions to social media, right? And this is something that's extremely important right now with everything that's going on with COVID. People people were addicted to social media before and it's becoming even more so now, right? Because a lot of us have so much more time on our hands and more time for social media but is that really good time spent sometimes it's not bienvenidos welcome to everyone that's joining us once again we're going to have david romanowski on in just a minute he's a psychologist specialist in addictions i'm super excited about this we're going to be talking specifically about addictions to social media and i want you guys also to focus on about five or six different terms that we're going to be talking about as well okay uh the fur and these are all terms that are related to addictions, right? So, well, the first term is just social media and social networking. I'm sure you guys are all familiar with those terms, but we'll focus on those. Um, We're going to talk about stopping cold turkey. What does it mean to stop cold turkey? What is self-medicating and why is self-medicating a problem? What does it mean to hit rock bottom, to hit rock bottom? What are cravings. Does anyone know what cravings are? Again, these are things that David is going to be talking to us about, but cravings and short-term pleasure. I'm kind of using my hands here and making random one, two, threes, and fours, but cravings, short-term pleasure, and then also about treating the symptoms, but not the root cause of the problem, right? These are things, these are some of the English phrases we're going to be focusing on tonight as we go into this topic of addictions. So I want you guys to focus on these. We're going to go through them. Again, we're going to be talking to to David. He should be joining us here in just one second. And why don't we do this to start? All of us are addicted to something, right? Bienvenidos, if you're just joining us all of us are addicted to certain things some people are obviously addicted to things like drugs and alcohol Uh, others like i said are addicted to social media Um, some of us are addicted to shopping whether it's online shopping or going to stores and stuff like that i want everyone to put in the comments please what is something that you are addicted to it can be something uh, it can be something funny it can be a more serious addiction if you're willing to share that with us but put down in the comments below what is something that you are addicted to and what is something that you would like maybe help with getting out of an addiction to like i said if you're not willing to share your deepest darkest secrets with us then don't worry but um, put something down in the comments about an addiction that you have if you would like um david (laughs) chocolate we've got one to chocolate yes yep. yeah i have some addictions to certain foods as well another big thing is addiction to sugar right este si sí es un problema hoy en día adicciones al azúcar demasiado no todo tipo de chocolate son malos verdad chocolate can obviously be very good but too much of it is, is not a good thing Um, The same thing with social media usage. Um, So we're gonna talk mainly tonight about being addicted to social media once David comes on, right? Uh, But we're gonna put this into a context of, oh, it looks like David is on. Hola David, I can't speak very well tonight. Como estas? David will be joining us. We'll see if he can figure out how to use the technology here. But we're gonna talk about these different social media addictions, uh, different types of addictions, and especially social media addictions. Um, So let's see. Let's see if we can get David to join here. He's probably struggling even more than I am to figure out the technology. Él él es un psicólogo, ¿verdad? No es su especialidad saber cómo entrar en estos Instagram Lives, pero sí está con nosotros. Bienvenidos, welcome everyone who's just joining us. Thank you guys for being here. I want you guys to pay a lot of attention tonight because this is a super, super important topic. Addictions, specifically addictions to social media. David is an expert in addictions. He's going to tell us what we need to know about them and what you can do if you suffer from any addictions, whether it does happen to be an addiction to drugs or alcohol or an addiction to social media, or an addiction to chocolate or azúcar, or something like that, right? So these are things that we're all going to cover. Let me remind you guys again of those terms that we want you to focus on. We're going to talk about stopping cold turkey, talking about self-medicating, hitting rock bottom, and cravings and short-term pleasure. Looks like David is having a little bit of trouble figuring out how to join, but there should be a request to join button here. We may have to restart the live if he's not able to join, but let's see. Can anyone put in the comments, can anyone help David? Does anyone know how to join into the live? There's typically a request to join button. Um, We might have to stop it and start over, but we'll give David just one more minute. Like I said, psicólogo, no experto en el Instagram y la tecnología. And he's probably having these problems because he's not addicted to social media, right? So he doesn't know how to go on Instagram and enter into a live every day. But we'll see if he can figure it out. Welcome, everybody. Bienvenidos. We're getting a lot of waves down below. I'm excited to see that. Drop in the comments right now, if you can, about how long are you spending on social media every day? How many hours per day do you spend on social media right now or maybe just how many minutes maybe it's less than one hour how many minutes or how many hours do you spend on social media every day and while you're answering that question we'll see if dr romanowski can get into the live here how many hours do you spend on social media every day it's super interesting because they say that kids If they spend more than about two hours per day on a screen, right, more than two hours of screen time, that it is bad for their brains. And I think a lot of the same concept can apply to adults. Any adults who are spending two hours or more on social media that can definitely have some harmful effects david will talk more about more with us about this now i do i want you guys to stay for the entire hour right quiero que se queden aquí por una hora no va a pasar el límite de dos horas diario de social media verdad um but let's see if david can figure out how to join us here welcome everybody put in the comments down below in los comentarios por favor cuántas horas o cuántos minutos por día están pasando en redes sociales ¿Cuántos minutos o cuántas horas por día estás pasando en redes sociales? Welcome, everybody. How's everybody doing? I see we've got some more people coming in now. Once again, tonight we are speaking with David Romanowski, who can't figure out how to join the live through the request here. Let's see. Can anyone help David? Let's see. Can anyone help David figure out how to join the live? Let's see. Mm. Let's see, give us just one second here. See if we can get Dr. Romanowski. See if we can get him in here. Welcome everyone that's just joining us. We're having a little trouble getting David on. Like I said, he's a psicologo, not a social media expert. So we're having some trouble getting him in. So someone here has put in the comments six plus and yes i can definitely speak more slowly david and i will speak slowly six plus hours on social media per day does anyone else have an answer in the comments for how much time are you spending on social media per day how many minutes or how many hours are you spending on social media per day we're going to be talking to david about addictions here pretty soon let's see if he can come on here Seven hours, someone is spending seven hours per day on social media. We've got another one, we've got six, we've got seven. That is a lot of time. Would you guys say in the comments, would you guys say that that's more than you were spending before COVID happened? That antes del COVID estaban pasando menos de seis o siete. We have another response of four hours. So this is a lot of time overall. I hope you guys spend the full hour with us tonight on Instagram, on social media. Um, But, yeah, four, six, seven hours is definitely a lot. IG for around three hours or more. And it looks like David might finally, he has figured out the wonderful technology. Maybe it's always a little slow. Dale un minuto, David. There he is. Oh, and now he's got to turn the camera around and see if he can figure.
1: Yeah, just give me one second. <laughs> so this is so so this is a deal. I was I was trying to connect via my desktop computer and the, uh, I didn't see the option. I did see it on my phone now mm. right away, <laughs> but I was I was trying to connect via my desktop because it has a larger screen. But I'm here. Thanks for having me. Yeah. Uh, thanks for having me. Keep talking, Co and Sean and everyone else. Thank you so much. Thank you so much, David. ¿Cómo estás?
0: Oh, Is the collect connection a little bit slow? Hmm. Let me see. I wonder if it's slow on his end or if it's slow on my end. We might have to have him rejoin in just a second here. Well, thank you so much for being on, David. We're going to get you on here in a second once we get the connection a little bit better. Oh, I do hear you now. Yep. Okay. Ah, ¿cómo estás tú? Yo estoy bien. Bien, bien, buenísimo, sí. <laughs> Um, Bueno, um, cuéntales un poco a los viewers, ¿verdad? Sobre ti. Um, What do you do and what are you an expert in?
1: Well, uh, my name is David Romanowski and uh, I was born in Mexico City and I've lived both in Mexico, in the United States and in Israel. And I completed... First, I completed my undergrad, my bachelor's degree in journalism and communication. And then I... uh, continued with my academic work with a master's degree in Addiction Studies in Mexico City. And a few years ago, I would say about four years and a half ago, I moved to Minneapolis to complete my degree in Integrated Behavioral Health, which basically (laughs) trains you to work with clients who struggle with both addiction and other mental health disorders, which I will explain in this conversation. And uh, since completing my graduate degree, I've been working with many clients who struggle with addictions and other mental health disorders, and I lecture the harm reduction psychotherapy course in, uh, in a private school here in Mexico. So that's, that's pretty much
0: me awesome yeah and i love you always talk about integrated behavioral therapy right it's funny because in english we always have all these fancy words right these integrated behavioral therapy and harm reduction therapists and in spanish
1: you say soy psicologo soy (laughs) psicologo exactly i think one of the traditions in america is that everyone is a specialist in like sub-particular so areas, whereas in Latin America, it's more about in a general sense. So I guess it's, it's each country works in a different way. Right, exactly. Well, thank you
0: so much for being on here. And we miss you, man. Have you seen what's happened in Minnesota ahora que tú saliste? So David lived in I know for about three years. And uh, saliste hace cuánto tiempo? Dos años, ¿verdad? Mm -hmm. Terminé hace dos años y desde que yo me fui ya no hay paz en la ciudad Ya no hay paz, es un caos aquí, necesitamos la tranquilidad (laughs) And the wisdom of David to return to Minnesota (laughs) And we believe he's coming back soon, but more on that later Um, So talk to us, what is addiction? What is
1: addiction? Okay, uh, so addiction is from my personal definition Which is backed by one of my mentors Uh, which is Gabor Mate. I define addiction as any behavior, substance-related or not, any behavior that uh, produces short-term relief or pleasure, uh, but despite the short-term relief and pleasure, it produces multiple negative consequences uh, recurrently, and despite the negative consequences, I continue with that behavior. Mm -hmm. Um, So again, short-term relief, craving, Uh, Long-term negative consequences and despite the long-term negative consequences, I continue to do that particular behavior or substance.
0: Right. And, and there's another word that David used here, which is cravings. I want you guys to in the comments if you know what cravings means in Spanish. What is cravings? C-R-A-V-I-N-G-S. What are cravings? Um, and meanwhile, so what David is saying here is that addiction is anything that gives you short-term pleasure but has long-term negative consequences, right? Mm-hmm. And I guess, can you talk a little bit more about um, about this, yeah, the of having short-term pleasure with long-term consequences.
1: How does someone get into that cycle of addiction? Right. So it's a very complex manifestation. I mean, nobody develops an addiction right away. I mean, in, in the 1980s or 1970s, we used to say like one line of cocaine and you're already addicted to cocaine. It doesn't work that way. It's a very complex process. And the reason people develop addictions are multiple. It's not just one particular reason. Mm -hmm. So the question here is, it's not whether drugs are addictive or any particular behaviors are addictive in and out of themselves, but rather the question here is, which human being is susceptible to develop an addiction? Mm -hmm. And in order to develop an addiction, there are many multiple risk factors. So you have to, to understand addictions, you have to understand the multiple risk factors in each person that uh, favor the presence of an addictive disorder or or, or an addictive behavior. Mm-hmm. So there are many reasons; it's not just one particular reason. Okay. And something that you talk about a lot. Um, I, I
0: know you've mentioned something before about tú, en tus sesiones de terapia solo pasa uno por ciento del tiempo más o menos hablando sobre la adicción. ¿verdad? O el consumo right. de la droga percent hablando de ¿sería la experiencia subjetiva I'm trying to remember what the words mm-hmm. are um but right. the roots of the problem and these other causes
1: exactly. right or, uh, which is exactly which is exactly right I mean a lot of behavioral therapies focus on the actual behavior and that is a huge mistake Because if you come to me as a smoker and we just say like, hey, smoking is really harmful, you already know that. But if I ask you, what do you exactly obtain from smoking? What short-term relief do you get from smoking? Then we get into a much broader conversation and a much deeper conversation. Because if you see an addiction, any addiction, it's just a symptom of a larger issue. And you have to deal with the larger issues before you deal with the symptom. At least that's what my experience is in most of what... Research backs up. Right. You have to treat the root of the problem. This is another yeah. one of
0: terms I wanted you guys to focus on is treating the root of the problem, tratar la raíz del problema, instead of just treating the problem or the addiction itself, right? Right. And another thing that you've talked about is with this treating the root of the problem um the reason that people do something an addictive behavior whether it's smoking or drinking or eating too much sugar or whatever right. because they get a benefit from that that they can't
1: get from anything else right which is exactly right that's the main plot of the story i would say so um uh... There are, again, the, the root of those addictive behaviors, it's all about discomfort with the self. It's not being able to sit with your... Because again, life brings pain, life brings sadness, life brings adversity, but the question is, why can't you find the personal resources to deal with such sadness or grief or adversity? Because every human being, since we're born until we die, we face adversity, we face frustration, death, the loss of a parent, the loss of a friend, Uh, Maybe switching jobs. So it's it's so the question here is why aren't you able to deal with such discomfort? And of course the reasons are multiple. I mean we can we can uh, for sure deepen this conversation But many many of my clients discomfort comes from childhood trauma for example Mm -hmm. so there have been many studies about adverse childhood experiences of which people who have multiple adverse childhood experiences are, are way more risk of developing an addiction in adulthood. More people who struggle with depression and anxiety and mental health disorders, since they're dealing with all of the discomfort of these negative symptoms, then I'm gonna to try to self-medicate, whether, whether if I do it through a drug or a particular behavior, that's maybe more of a personal choice, but it's all about getting away from that discomfort, trying to soothe the pain or trying to distract the pain. So that that's the root of it.
0: Right, so people are trying to avoid pain by doing addictive behaviors, basically. Exactly, yeah. exactly. So can we talk a little bit then about addictions to social media, um, which is something that right. I think it's become a problem. It was a problem before COVID, right? Right. When right. COVID, <laughs> I sociales um, so is an addict is being addicted to social media to Instagram to Facebook whatever is it the same type of thing as being addicted to marijuana drugs alcohol right see what
1: well first of all I would say that uh, you can't speak because A few years back, or a few decades back, we used to speak on addiction from a binary perspective, like whether you have it or you don't have it. And it really exists on a spectrum. So you have, for example, when it comes to a substance, the the word is not addiction anymore, but it is substance use disorder. And some people have a mild substance use disorder, some people have a moderate substance use disorder, and some people have a severe substance use disorder. And it's the same with social media. I mean, it really depends not just on the use, but the amount of the negative consequences you have. Mm -hmm. And of course, the more areas that are affected or the more distress it causes, then the more severe it is. Mm -hmm. But the question here is, and I would like to return that question, is Sean, do you think social social media is addictive? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Or no, right? Mm-hmm. Yes or no. The answer is always yes or no. Do you think alcohol is addictive? Well, how many people do you know that drink alcohol that don't have a, a, an addiction to alcohol? How many people do you know yeah. that use social media that don't have an addiction to social media? Absolutely. So the answer is always yes and no, depending on the individual susceptibilities and personal circumstances. Okay. Yeah, that's a great way to put it. Yeah. So it's como un espectro, right?
0: There's a spectrum of addiction. It's not just, él es un adicto y él no, ¿verdad? Right, exactly. And this is something that you've also talked about. It's very important to not call people addicts, to not label someone un adicto,
1: ¿verdad? ¿Por qué? Well, well, the reason is mainly because of stigma. When, when, When people start with the narrative of being an addict, you focus on, usually people relate those meanings to being a thief or a criminal or a liar or a person that manipulates so it has a negative connotation to me a- addiction is not a person addiction is an experience and 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 first of all when i when i talk to my clients who struggle with addictions the reason i enjoy my work a lot is because i resonate with them like i accept that i've had addictive behaviors okay. and once i recognize that i'll be way less judgmental by just understanding the other person's concern it, instead of judging them. Because one of the things that we assume from that stigma approach is that people are doing it on purpose, that people break the law, that people uh, don't they don't get it, so they, they must receive tough love, and it doesn't work that way. I believe people, once they receive compassion, and once they understand the root of their behaviors in a compassionate way, they can change their actual uh, things that are bothering them.
0: Okay, so it has to be compassion, not just from the therapist or the psychologist, but it has to be compassion for oneself, right? Como y empatia, ¿verdad? Por supuesto, sí, claro. Because a lot of people kind of want to run away from whatever the problem is, right? Because they don't right. themselves or accept this issue that they have, is that correct?
1: Yeah, well, of course, so first of all, Gabor Mate, which is one of my mentors, one of the questions he asks mainly with addiction is the question is never why the addiction, but why the pain, right? Yeah. So so you have to understand that you're dealing with people's pain. And if your approach is to judge others, to shame them, to uh, put them into a negative perspective or so, they'll be more defensive and more judgmental towards themselves, and that will cause them to behave themselves in even a more addictive manner, so to speak. Mm -hmm. So you don't want to do that. And you want to bring a different voice, a compassionate voice, an understanding voice to their lives. And once you develop that alliance, you can enhance or encourage change. Mm
0: -hmm. Yeah, and we have a comment down here that says, compassion and science. That's interesting. I I guess, is that something that they talk about? Do they use that phrase, compassion and science? I haven't heard it.
1: Right. Well, yes, you have to you have to combine both aspects. So you bring that compassive uh, approach, but then you have to rely on evidence-based techniques to solve the client's issues. It's not like I just, I could just come up with the first words that come to my mouth and just say it. Like I have to rely, of course, on evidence-based practices, which I learned in graduate school. And you rely on evidence-based practice with a compassionate style and you can have good results.
0: Okay. And so what about... What about in your clinical experience, right? Maybe there are some people watching who suffer from addictions. In your clinical experience, someone who suffers from an addiction and is high on the addiction spectrum, out of your patients who have successfully recovered or started to recover from addiction, ¿cuáles son los pasos o qué es lo que tienen que
1: hacer? Well, first of all, I mean, it depends who you ask, because if you work from a 12-step perspective which shares these like old paradigms, people need to accept their addiction or they're in denial, right? But I, I don't work under the 12-step frame, I don't really like it. I respect the people who've recovered with AA or 12 steps, but I use a different model. So the first, I believe the first part of the healing process is to develop a secure space with the client, so that the, the, once the client doesn't feel misunderstood or judged. He'll be vaulchy or he will be more vulnerable. And once you're vulnerable, like any plant, you're able to grow easier. But if a plant uh, is not vulnerable, how how is it gonna get sunlight, right? The same with the person. So I provide that secure and space environment. And once you develop that alliance, you can work on the pain beneath the addiction and the struggles that the person has had to face. Maybe it is abandonment by the parents, maybe it is having suffered family violence, maybe it is uh, belonging to a race from a minority group that has been excluded systematically in a particular culture. Maybe you have to deal with a person's depression or PTSD from that they suffered after a war. So, but if you don't, if you don't build that safe space and you don't offer or you don't promote that alliance it, it, it'll be very hard to to heal from those wounds
0: okay yeah and shifting it back a little bit to the social media addictions here right so if we say um well first off would you agree to me with me that a lot of people are kind of addicted
1: to social media right now well yes yes and no depends who right so a lot of people use social media in a very productive way mm-hmm. Uh right. And I'm sure you do and it to promote on, your. <laughs> exactly. So, so, so it depends. Uh, again, what is the meaning behind the behavior? Because if the meaning is to promote right. your your business, if the meaning is to connect with other people, then it's fine. If the meaning is to um, shut off your personal awareness, right. if the meaning is to try to distract yourself from pain, if the meaning is because you're you're lonely and you want to distract yourself from those negative emotions, then it's different. So it's not the external behavior, but it's the meaning with that external behavior. Does that make sense? Yes, exactly. And so it's the pain that
0: people are feeling, whether it's loneliness or whether it's maybe they just don't like what's going on in their real lives, right? And they want to get something from social media. Um, And this is obviously something that's gone up now with, with COVID, right? Um, right. And one of the things I wanted to ask, too, when I was reading in a presentation that you did about como los pasos de tratamiento, no, no recuerdo exactamente, pero como el último paso es restablecer lazos sociales y conexiones, ¿verdad? That's right. one of the, the last and most important step in certain cases to reduce an addiction. And I'm just right. right now with the difficulty of having those conexiones sociales. Is there a way that people can do that now with everything that's going on, the social distancing?
1: Well, of course it makes it difficult because it depends where you're living. Like if you're living in a small apartment in in Tel Aviv or New York and the authorities won't allow you to get out of it, then it it definitely increases the risk of addiction, right? Because you're isolated and there's not much you can do about it. Mm -hmm. But uh, now that things have started to open up, with that social distancing policy you can get together with some friends and practice some connection because one, one of the things that i like from there's a journalist that works with the topic of addiction his name is Johan Hari i'll send the name later mm-hmm. he says that the opposite of addiction is not sobriety the the opposite of addiction is human connection so um the reason people behave in addictive manner is because they're connected with that particular behavior, but they're disconnected from everybody else. So how do we reestablish that sense of connection and empathy and communication with the other? How do, we, how do I connect with other people and loved ones around me? Yeah. Mm. ¿Y cuál es la respuesta <laughs> for los viewers? How do they do it? <laughs> Well, well, it depends on each case, right? So some people would like to uh, enjoy sports, so maybe that's an activity to get, you know, to practice with somebody else. Some people like, uh, maybe some people lost their job, so it's time to, to search for a job or a meaningful activity or start volunteering. Uh, just it, it, it also Addiction is also about the lack of meaning to life. So you have to find more meaningful ways to being present because addiction, it's also about not not being able to be present with yourself because it's too uncomfortable. So how can you find different activities that really makes you feel present and self-regulated? It could be exercise for some. It could be a job for some. It can be uh, a reading book club for some. I mean, it really depends on each person. So that's I work on uh, like under a really like under a person-centered approach. It really depends on the clients preferences and personal styles
0: okay yeah and see it it all kind of comes together all these different aspects of salud mental right we were talking to andres mejia last week who is a meditation expert and he talks a lot about being present just trying to be present and this is something diego has talked about a lot as well just trying to learn to be more present in our lives That's something that Yeah, it's extremely important. Um, We have a comment down here saying social media is also, it gives us a fake sense of social connection. Now, yeah, this is interesting too, because obviously what we're trying to build here at Keep Talking, especially right now, is connection, just social connections, even though most of them are through Instagram or through Zoom or lo que sea, Mm -hmm. we are trying to build those connections.
1: Um, Well, yes, I mean, in, in regards to that comment, I would say a couple of things. So first of all, some researchers have discovered that humans were happier in that hunter-gatherer society, you know, where they used to live in big clans and you you, you lived with your uncles and grandparents and parents and, and all that sense of community. And in this Western world, uh, under this like extreme capitalist approach, we have lost that sense of connection because we're connected to our gadgets all the time. And when, when we're in a family meal, we're not actually paying attes- attention to the present moment. And then the second, the second response to that is, you can use social media to connect if you use it to connect, but you can also use social media to get external validation because you're not feeling secure with yourself. So you're always trying to get some likes And you're always trying to get approval from the outside. So my question is, why are you always seeking approval with the outside? What's going on in the inside of the person that you're always trying to compensate your sense of self from the outside. So that's another root of the problem. Are you trying to use social media to just promote something and be happy about it? Or are you compulsively trying to get likes from people just to feel okay with yourself? That's another question. And then the
0: answer to that question, if it is that you're just trying to get likes or you're just trying to make yourself feel better, uh, that external validation, right, um, what does it probably come from? Could it be a range mm. of different
1: programs? Yeah, well, f- Well. first of all, uh, it depends on each client. Like m- many of clients, for example, of mine have suffered, again, childhood trauma, right? So if you've been constantly humiliated by your parents, punished, not seen, not cared for, and so on, you might as well feel like with a low self-esteem, like uh, my opinion doesn't matter, my feelings doesn't matter, so I'm gonna try and seek validation from the outside. If you're suffering from a mental health disorder like depression, uh, well, of course, it means that you you, you feel uh, a sense of guilt, you feel shame, you can't express your emotions, you're sad most of the time, and you're gonna try to seek validation from, from the outside. So, so it, really, it really depends on each person. Like, I wouldn't say there's a specific profile of a person that will engage in addictive behaviors, but again, it's about that personal meaning. What are you trying to get from that activity? And where, if you're trying to get that, that worth, for example, that personal worth, well, my question would be where, where or when did you lose that worth and of yourself, that worthy value? Where where did you learn or how did you learn that you're worthless? So that's how you address the root of the problem. And by the root of the problem, I mean then you, you have to go and dig down those into those core beliefs. So when and how did you learn that you're worthless? And those core beliefs are mostly developed in intergenerational patterns. So it runs from generation to generation. Hmm. It runs from generation
0: to generation, meaning that families, the grandparents will have told the parents that you, you're mm-hmm. so you're no good, and then the parents will pass it on to kids. Right. It's casi hereditario, verdad? And and that
1: right. But and, and 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 hereditario would be maybe one word, but I would say unconsciously, like people are not aware of these behaviors. We just if you don't work on yourself, you pass on to your kids many of the beliefs or self-destructive manners that you learned from your parents. So it's also a learned behavior in many ways. Mm -hmm. And so what about for a person in
0: your clinical experience, um, what about a person who has this issue of having a low sense of self-worth, right? Because of things that have happened in the past, because of the way their family treated them, et cetera, et cetera. Mm -hmm. So then how does a person like that truly go back or truly start to develop a sense of Mm -hmm. Mm self-worth?
1: Well, that's a good question, I mean, I would say that first of all, um, a lot of people have to understand that many of their their own parents were traumatized and the reason they got punished is not because they're worthless, because their parents felt a a lot of shame. And they they transferred that shame into the child or, or the children mm-hmm. um, some people just uh, for example a person who's been bullied a lot in school they might as well lost uh, trust in other people and felt a lot of shame around it so it's it, it's it's time to rediscover maybe the personal talents that they do have that maybe they haven't discovered them or that uh, They've been blamed for so many things that they're they're not to be blamed. But that's how they learn to cope, maybe by suppressing their own feelings. So it really depends. I mean, but it, it's about discovering uh, healing coping mechanisms and personal strengths in each client, and exploiting those personal strengths. Okay,
0: exploiting personal strengths. Interesting. Okay, right. Um, let's talk about a couple other concepts, because I had a couple other, um, some of them are just vocabulary words that I wanted for the viewers to understand here. And one of them that you've talked about is hitting rock bottom. Um, and I want, yeah. en los comentarios, si pueden, si hay alguien que sabe qué significa to hit rock bottom, or hitting rock bottom, en los comentarios un premio para la primera persona que pueda poner qué significa to hit rock bottom in Espanol. Um, and it's actually interesting because when I was watching one of your interviews, you said what it means in Spanish. And I didn't know that's how you said that in Spanish. So it was interesting for me. I, I learned how to say it. Um, resilience, um, not, not quite, um, but that is a good guess. Um, so, and maybe they'll understand it from the context. So um, talk about um, why it's not a good idea to let someone uh-huh. addicted hit rock bottom
1: well so so basically one of the old-school approaches to addiction is a client with with an alcohol use disorder shows up for example and said you know I'm not ready to change my behavior right because alcohol has provided me with some uh, benefits of distracting myself from my pain right so they tell them, well, you're in denial, you have to hit rock bottom. Like, why are you gonna wait for that person to hit rock bottom? Maybe that person, if you tell them that, you're not engaging them, you're not talking about their personal strengths, you're not understanding their experience, you're just judging them and saying, well, you have to hit rock bottom, which means that you have to suffer more negative consequences. Now, what happens if that person gets drunk next weekend and kills himself in a car accident? Like, does that person deserve that? Or maybe you can ask again, what do you obtain for the alcohol that you can't obtain somehow in a in a different way? Or what do you obtain for that particular behavior that you haven't been able to solve in a different manner? But if you tell them that you have to hit rock bottom, you don't really allow them to engage in any kind of conversation. You're just focusing on the problematic behavior, but not on the on the person who's experiencing so much pain. Mm-hmm.
0: Yes, and I see in the comments, yep, you guys have got it right. It's tocar fondo. This is a phrase that I wasn't familiar with in Spanish, actually. Uh, But to hit rock bottom is tocar fondo. So no es buena idea dejar a alguien, a una persona que conozcas con una adicción.
1: No es buena idea. Well, and and sorry to interrupt you, but here's another deal. If you had a a family member or a friend with diabetes or the, the initial symptoms of diabetes, would you tell the person it's time to address this problem now and talk about the possibilities of, of healing or maybe finding the, the proper medication? Or are you going to tell you know what, I'm not going to talk to you until you hit rock bottom? Yeah. Like it doesn't make any sense because what, what happens if a person can be helped in the initial stage of the addiction and prevent further consequences instead of allowing them to hit or to suffer from the multiple negative consequences? Right. Detección temprana, of course, of course,
0: yeah, yeah. And then another concept that you talk about, um, and I wasn't super familiar familiar with this one, but it's um, solo abstinencia, I believe, is the right. that you uh, describe it. Talk to us about what, what is solo abstinencia.
1: Um, yeah. Right. So the first models of addiction, especially the ones that work on their twelve step uh, framework, is that clients have to be completely abstinence in order to receive help, and in order to modify some behaviors, or in order to make therapeutic progress. And I can tell you this, I would say 85% of my clients are still actively using drugs, but they've been able to moderate their their drug use. So, So the traditional definition of addiction is that it's always chronic and it's always progressive, and most of the times it leads to death, and it doesn't work that way. Once you're compassionate towards the client, and you understand the meaning, and maybe you can find other meaningful activities, a personal sense of self, uh, maybe believe in, one, believe in oneself and so on. Clients can moderate many times their substance use. So it's not always progressive, it's not always chronic. In many clients that find their personal strengths, they will find a job, they'll find some meaningful activity, they'll find that they can achieve many things, and they regain that personal confidence and they will be able to moderate their use in many times. Now that doesn't happen always. In some cases, the the behavior is very problematic and or the substance use is uh, out of control and and you have to consider abstinence. But in many cases, you can moderate their use by working on other areas that are relevant to the client.
0: Mm -hmm. Okay, so it doesn't have to be just black and white. It doesn't. Exactly. You don't have to stop cold turkey, right? Bonus points for anyone who can put... ¿Qué significa stop cold turkey in the comments? We've already... Y no, no, es, no es nada de pavo congelado. De pavo congelado, no. De pavo congelado. <laughs> Parar de pavo congelado, no. Pavo frío. Pavo frío, pavo frío yeah. Yeah, um, interesting, yeah. So, um, well, we're kind of already giving it away to you guys, but to stop cold turkey in English, literally cold turkey, pavo frío, to stop cold turkey significa parar completamente de hacer. Algo, sí, right? sí parar en, en, en seco como se dice en México en seco sí ¿se dice okay parar en seco. en seco we have a comment down here saying that that's a big struggle in Colombia it's almost utopic to eliminate consumption all at once but we are too conservative so I'm guessing what mm. um, what this comment means is that in Colombia
1: people are too conservative they use the old paradigm right Right, and it's the same in most of the world, especially in Latin America. They still rely on these AA models or 12-step models that, again, they'll be very orthodox in that approach in which the specialist or the expert says, well, you're in denial, and if you don't want to be in abstinence, we cannot help you. And that is a um, very utopic approach because... It's very hard and think about it. If you've been engaged in your own personal addictive behavior and someone tells you that you have to quit right away, well of course you're gonna show some resistance because it has provided some benefits. So you have to be very patient with these people and understand that they've been dealing with a lot of pain and that this addictive behavior has served some purpose in their lives.
0: Wow, yeah, that's an interesting way to think about it, that the addictive behavior serves a purpose for something, that the addictive behavior, it does give them a benefit, even though it is a short-term benefit with negative consequences, right? Yeah. So what about this? ¿Qué tal si alguien dice que que yo me da, cuando yo consumo drogas o lo que sea, me da este beneficio, verdad? ¿Qué hacemos ¿Qué podemos decir a esta persona? ¿Qué puede ser un nuevo beneficio? ¿Cómo reemplazamos este beneficio? Mm
1: -hmm, mm -hmm. Well, well, I mean and and that's one of the tricky questions because oftentimes if you don't root with the if you don't if you don't deal with the root of the issue they will substitute one addictive behavior with another and that's that's a risk right so what you mainly what I do here is I use some motivational interviewing and, um, and, and I, which is a, a set of techniques that can help people with substance use disorders. And I ask them, for example, like, what do you, you obtain from smoking? And they tell me, well, it gives me a sense of peace. And what I tell them is, well, that's perfectly understood. I guess when you're not smoking, you're, you're feeling like you're in a war, right? So why are you feeling that way? Mm -hmm. like why are you feeling at war with yourself or with others Mm -hmm. and they'll speak to you about that chaotic home environment Mm -hmm. or maybe that adverse uh environment at work so so you you start getting more of the issues the deeper issues instead of that actual behavior Mm -hmm. yeah so this all goes back to what we what
0: you've said before about you have to tackle the root of the problem to treat the
1: root of the problem not yeah, and that and that takes a lot of time and effort and patience. Mm-hmm. If you're not willing to be patient with these people, then don't don't work here because you're going to suffer from burnout quite quickly.
0: Wow, okay, that's very interesting. So, por si hay alguien en los viewers que quiere ser un psicólogo o en eso, que tener mucha paciencia. <laughs> mucha. Yeah. Speaking of that, you actually just mentioned an interesting phrase in English for the viewers, which is burnout. To burn out, or it uses right. a noun, is burnout. Um, does anyone in the comments know what burnout means? Yes, burnout. ¿Significa burnout? Um, and I guess we've got about probably 15 more minutes here. The time will stop on us completely. Instagram last week it cut off me and Andrés right at the hour mark. So
1: did you did you tell the audience how much I'm charging you because they'll freak
0: out? Well, yeah. See, the thing about David is David is Jewish, so. They charge for everything. He's probably, we've been on here for 40 or 45 minutes. He's probably charging about $150 per minute, right? We're running up up a high bill. (laughs) We have a comment here saying that I think drugs give an immediate solution. Yeah. You can have that sense of peace meditating, but someone who smokes can just light the joint in seconds. Yeah, um, so patience is the long-term solution, right? Being patient. Um, yeah, this is what David's talked about: is trying not to. Um, an addiction gives you a short-term benefit, an immediate
1: right. And another here, another definition I'd say about addiction in that sense: it's the inability to sustain uncomfortable emotions, because part of being an adult, part of being a human being is to sustain emotional discomfort and sustain some pain because that life is painful at times, but you don't have to escape from your pain, which is what addiction is all about, about escaping that that sense of pain.
0: Okay, now this is interesting. So we have to learn to break addictions. We have to learn to sustain,
1: um, was it negative emotions or uncomfortable emotions? There are no negative emotions. That's a myth too. Like people talk about positive emotions, negative emotions. To me, there are no positive or negative emotions. Sadness can be a positive emotion. Euphoria can be a negative emotion. So it really depends on how you see it. If sadness helps you uh, gain insight on life and connect with yourself, then sadness is a good emotion. If euphoria, when the Vikings win and you destroy a car and, and hit someone in the head that's not a healthy emotion either. So it really depends how you use those emotions. They're not negative or positive. They're just emotions. David is fanatico del fútbol americano. porque no
0: supiera? So we, okay. There are two really interesting things that you just talked about here that I, um, was not familiar with before. And so, okay. I want to come back to those—the idea that there are no, there's no such thing as negative emotions—in a minute. But first, I want to talk about: Can we train ourselves, or how do we train ourselves to be more um, comfortable with these uncomfortable emotions, or sustain mm-hmm. and not try to weigh the uncomfortable emotions?
1: Well, well, first of all. It's about accepting the present moment as it is, instead of running away from it. Because I think emotions are like the weather. I mean, you can have a storm, but the storm will go away. But it's about being able to sustain the storm, right? Um, So how do you do it? Well, each person is different. For example, I know myself that when I do exercise every morning, I feel better. Even I can manage discomfort. I can, even if I have some difficult clients, if I did exercise and meditation, I can just be more patient and and just experience these emotions and accept them as they come. And I know that when I avoid those self-care activities, I am more restless, I am more irritable, um, I am more um, impulsive, I would say. So you really have to find activities, habits, and support systems too that can help you regulate those emotions.
0: Okay. So it's about self-care. It's about doing things every day that maybe build up a little bit of resilience. Someone said the word resilience earlier, building up a little resilience and building up more patience. Okay. Right. Mm -hmm. And so this was really interesting. I did not expect this for you to say that there are no such thing or that it's a myth that there are negative emotions. So Okay, so then let's talk about some things that people consider negative emotions. Let's talk about tristeza y miedo. Those are... Right. right? Let's actually, let's talk about
1: miedo first. So, okay. Go okay. ahead. Yeah, so, so for example, fear, fear, which is miedo in, in Spanish. Well, fear, I mean, let's say you're, you're sitting in your desk and a lion shows up, a huge lion shows up roaring, right? So is so if you're fearful okay. if you're scared it, of course it helps to be scared because if you're not scared the lion is going to attack you right so of course fear or or feeling scared will protect you right but what happens if the threat is no longer there and you're supposed to maybe uh to a conference or a workshop or an Instagram video, nobody is judging you necessarily, but you're, you're so scared that you'll freeze and you won't even do the conference and you'll avoid it. Well, that's, that's a negative outcome because in one example, fear is helping you protect. And in the second example, it makes you feel paralyzed and panicked and you won't do anything. So does that make sense it really depends how you use it okay so there's really no such thing as negative emotions it's just about how you use them they're there for a reason right and second they're there for a reason and then and then again even there's healthy anger and non-healthy anger so if 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 you if you start attacking me and, and, and insulting me for being jewish for example i can be angry at you and say you know what you don't talk to me in this way and i set a boundary it's a boundary defense but if, if you're treating me quite all right the next three years and I'm still angry at you for those comments, now it's more about resentment. So it's not anger because you're not in the present. It's resentment. You're living in the past and you haven't forgiven that person. That's unhealthy anger. Okay.
0: Interesting. Yeah. And this is, it's actually similar to what Andres was talking to us about last week, how he said there's a function to every negative emotion that you feel right like la función de la tristeza es recuperar el perdido right It's about using these emotions okay yeah yeah all right well yeah we've got about maybe five or yeah probably just five or six more minutes here so i wanted to wrap things up um and i'll kind of leave the end for you to give a summary david and also to to tell these guys where they can find you online Um, but so I kind of just wanted to go over everything we just talked about um, and then review with everybody the, the terms that we were talking about in English. First off, muchas gracias por estar con nosotros esta noche. Um,
1: no, gracias a
0: ustedes. <laughs> y gracias a todos los viewers. Um, and so I wanted to just go over once again, just because we always wrap things up by having uh, a review of some of the English phrases and expressions we talked about. Um, so we talked about social media and social networks, which you guys are familiar with. Um, we talked about stopping cold turkey. To stop cold turkey means parar inmediatamente o completamente de algo. We talked about, we didn't actually touch on self-medicating. Maybe we can hit that in a second here. Um, we talked about hitting rock bottom o tocar fondo. Uh, we talked about... Uh, cravings, which cravings, by the way, are sort of like antojos. Is that the word that you would use? I would say I would say
1: deseos intensos. Deseos intensos. Okay. So what is antojo. While we're on that topic, um, antojo a, a craving. I would say. Well, it can be antojo too, but I would use, I would say deseo is the right word. Deseos. Okay. Sus deseos intensos que dan un
0: short-term pleasure, un placer, mm-hmm. un corto plazo with long-term negative consequences
1: mm. yeah mm-hmm. um and
0: then we also talked about probably the most important thing here which is treating the root cause of the problem instead of right. the addiction itself or instead of the problem itself um, right and actually we do have a couple minutes i wanted to talk about uh
1: just self-medicating Automatic. right right right, right. So, <laughs> So, so for example, a lot of these addictions seen from a psychiatric standpoint are self-medications. So, for example, a person with ADHD, which is an attention deficit hyperactivity disorder, they will self-medicate with cocaine. Because if a person tells you that when they use cocaine they're more productive, they're giving you the diagnosis on the platter. They're telling you that they, are ha- that they have ADHD. So the proper treatment intervention is of course, to get therapy, but to, for a psychiatrist to prescribe uh, Adderall, for example, or, or any other stimulant, because it works for that hyperactive brain. They can, they can focus easier with that. Another aspect or another uh, example, a lot of people with uh, anxiety disorders self-medicate with marijuana or alcohol, so maybe that person needs anti-anxiety pills to deal with that. Other people self-medicate PTSD with opiates. Mm -hmm. So you have to find the proper medication so that people will stop self-medicating with drugs that are not regulated and that they're getting tolerance and they're becoming tolerant from them. And with the proper medication, they will not become tolerant and they will get... um, Well, we will work around those uncomfortable symptoms and the the prognosis or the outcome is it will be much more... um, Improve, that would say. Okay.
0: And for people in situations like that, do you always recommend a
1: medication?
0: Like if someone who has ADHD is, or, you know, if they think they have ADHD or they have it and they self medicate with cocaine, do you recommend then that they always see a psychiatrist and, and get Adderall or something like that? Well, this is for evitar medicamento.
1: Well, usually, I mean, if you look at evidence-based practices, most of the times people will need that medication because they're actually self-medicating. And if they don't get that medication, they will never cease to self-medicate. Some people, a lot of people, with well, not a lot lot of people, but some people are able to uh, get out of their addictions or uh, grow out of those addictions by incorporating those self-regulation activities like exercise, meditation, uh, yoga, uh, whatever it is, even religion at times. Uh, but again, if if you do see that there's a mental health disorder like ADHD, anxiety, depression, and, and PTSD, and the client is self-medicating, usually the right response is to go to therapy, and they can get the proper medication and diagnosis from a psychiatrist too.
0: Okay. All right. Well, David, we got about maybe two minutes left here. Um, where can these guys follow your content?
1: Okay, so I have a Facebook page which is David Romanowski Especialistas en Adicciones. Uh, I also have this Instagram profile, of course, and um, yeah, that, that's pretty much it. And it, it, if they have any questions, I usually answer them uh, quite fast. So that yeah, that that's how they can get a contact or a grasp of me for sure.
0: All right, awesome. And then I guess last thing here. So what um, what's what's the main the main thing people should get out of this? What should they be doing if they suffer from any addiction, whether it's drug Mm. addiction, social media addiction? O si conocen alguien que es adicto a algo, what should they be trying to do?
1: Well, first of all, there's nothing to be or feel ashamed about. Um, Again, once you accept that this is a problem for you, then you can go ahead and seek help. I mean. A lot of people will feel shame and, well, if if I'm weak, people who think I'm weak or that I, I can't cope with life or so on. But, but it's actually people who get help or ask for help have a lot of strength because it takes a lot of guts to do that. So just open up and seek professional help. And uh, if you don't feel comfortable or if you feel judged by the expert or the specialist, maybe you should find a different one. But it's all about opening up and being vulnerable because – uh, as one of my mentors says, only under the presence of compassion and lack of judgment, people will see the truth. So be compassionate to yourself and get help. Okay. Be compassionate to yourself and get help. All right. I like it.
0: Yeah. Todos somos seres humanos. ¿Verdad? Yeah. We, we just need to accept, accept our emotions rather than avoid them. I'm going to have an issue, accept it. Um, and get whatever help we need, right? So.
1: And, he, and here's one, one final answer from Gabor Mateo, who's like one of my main mentors. He would say, wherever there is, uh, here's a, the quote is, um, when there is tension, pay attention. Okay, when there is tension, pay attention, yeah. So, right.
0: reconocer, prestar atención al problema o lo que te está molestando, verdad?
1: right right just pay attention to it be present don't don't try to uh get away from it because uh if you avoid it it'll come back just be with it
0: yeah this is very similar to what andres talked about last week when he talked about accepting <laughs> emotions as well Aceptacion plena, right mindfulness yeah 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 it's great uh, sure. well thank you so much david um Thank you, thank you guys. Thank everyone who joined us. Thank you, talkers. Um, sign up for Daily Immersion if you haven't already. Um, we're trying to build a community here. We want you guys to feel, especially during the pandemic, uh, like you've got some social connections, and it's a great way to practice your English as well. So, muchísimas gracias. Señor licenciado, okay. doctor, maestro. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Muchas gracias, Juan. Sí. Es un placer como siempre, amigo, y mucho éxito. Igualmente. Vuelven a Minnesota pronto, ¿eh? <laughs> Bye. Bueno, nos vemos.
0: Thanks for listening, talkers. Remember that keep talking is the best platform for you to reach an advanced level of English fluency and connect with a global community. Remember to follow us on Instagram at keep talking